Anyway, you're going to be great. And um, it's a podcast. Here we are, everybody. Yay! Hey, everybody. I'm Matt Marr on a beautiful, beautiful day in Los Angeles. Almost at San Diego. I don't live there. Um, I'm with... Deflin's trying not to laugh because I haven't introduced you yet, but I'm here with the wonderful, beautiful Deflin Lammers. Is it Lammers, right? Yes. Okay, good. I said your name right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> now, first of all, I always have... I've never, you're the only person I know ever in the history of the world with a name Dufflin. Like, where did that, is that, was that your born, your, your Christian name, as my grandmother would, would have said? <laughs> yes, honey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my mom, my mama, who actually is from the South, she's from Savannah, Georgia. Oh, yeah, you're, I'm white trash, you're Southern. So, now, well, now I'm both, but um, <laughs> I come by it honest. So, she, when she was pregnant with me, she drove past a bar called Duffy's, and she wanted to name me after this bar, and my father, not wanting me to be named after a bar, <laughs> made up Dufflin. That's country. Right? That is a country story. Have you ever been to Duffy's? No. You should, that is like an American life, like, retrospective, you should go to Duffy's. Right? And film that shit. People... <laughs> Would love it. Oh yeah, you can say shit on the podcast. So yeah, Duffy's. I love because it. it does make me think of Duff beer from The Simpsons. Totally. Yeah, that's how, that's how I tell people when they're when they're having trouble pronouncing my name, especially in France um, or any other foreign country. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'll say, "Have you seen The Simpsons?" Because it's international Duff beer, and then Lynn on the end. That's. Hilarious. So you're from Savannah, Georgia, mm-hmm. and were you raised there? No, actually, I was born and raised in Palo Alto, California. But oh, my, so. Right. But my mother lived in Savannah for most of my life, and so I would go there for Christmas and summer and that kind of thing to visit her. Oh, so you got the, the best of both worlds, the exactly. southern genes, but the California open-mindedness. Mm-hmm. Look at that. So you, do you consider yourself more of a California girl than anything? You know... I mean, I feel like I'm, it's like I'm a California girl with the Southern Belle on the side. Yeah. You know? I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. And um, so, uh, let's, in, so you've been in LA for quite a while. Like, you really like, now, I want to talk about several things with you because, first of all, I want to talk about how we know each other, which I always ask, but tell everybody how we know each other, which... Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I met you at Act Now, where I've been a consultant for, I think, 11 years now. Um, I started out there as a client, and then I started working there about a year later and became a consultant. And what I do is I'm sort of like a guidance counselor for actors. Yes. Um, That's and exactly so, what you are, actually. Yeah. And someone referred me to you. I think it was Ali. Ali Velez referred you. And maybe, maybe I or I knew you before you knew Allie. Maybe it was you who referred her. I can't remember no, who you, you know what? referred you. <laughs> Marissa Fuentes. Is that do right? Do you remember her? Yes, I do. She's like lives in San Diego. That's actually who I haven't spoken to her in years. That's who referred me to act now. Yeah. And, so and that's the way it works now, you know, because I've been there so long. It just one person refers another. And um, so it's actually kind of cool because it's really like a community in that way. Act now is really cool, too, because it's you um like there's other there's. So what people are listening to now, there's a lot of uh, professionals in the industry, whether they're a casting director or a director or a producer or whatever, they'll, they teach classes just about giving instruction to actors and tips and all that kind of stuff. And, um, a lot of different places have these, but I, and I'm not like, this isn't Maddie, the Dear Maddie show sponsored by Act Now by any means. It's not. (laughs) Um, I, what I do like about Act Now though, is you, like there's you, and I'm also friends with Hillary I don't think Hillary's there anymore. Hillary 
Pingle. She's moving to um, the East Coast now. Oh, she's actually moving to the East Coast. I believe so. I think she's going to be in Atlanta. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. I did know that. We talked a little bit at chat. But well, I was going to say, though, it is nice, though, because like when something comes up, you know me, and you're like, hey, this workshop, this person's looking for your type. And that's helpful, because other places, you don't have that. You just go, okay, this person sounds good, and then I'll... You'll get, you know, you never, then you'll get in there like, oh, I'm not really doing comedy right now. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm not going to be on CSI, people. Like, I'm not even serious enough to be a dead body on CSI. Like, it's just not, I would still probably make somebody giggle. So it's just not worth it. You'd be too adorable to be a corpse. Yeah. Well, that's very sweet. That's very sweet. And so you're in, you've been, I mean, you've had like a good run at it being an actress too. Like, you know, you're working it. You know, here and there, um, I feel like it's been, it's been a bumpy ride, but at the same time I've learned kind of the ins and outs. And so it's, it's really great for me to be able to share that with my clients. Um, and also, you know, I, I started out as a client myself, so I was doing workshops there and meeting casting directors and getting auditions that way. And so I believed in it. So it was easy for me to work with others, um, you know, and be able to recommend things to them because I had already done the workshops myself, you know, so I knew from my own experience. And so it was really just me sharing my experience with them. Um, and I feel like it's really important to be able to market yourself appropriately as an actor. Mm-hmm. And you, people talk about marketing and branding a lot these days in all kinds of different businesses. And and I feel like we're kind of just getting in I on that. I feel like we're just catching actors. up. Yeah. yeah. You know? 100% agree. And it's really important um, because you see people on TV or in movies all the time who you think, well, I'm at least as good of an actor as that person. And you may be right. Um, and that person is probably really good at marketing themselves. Yeah. That's really, yeah, that's, I think, the bigger battle right there. So, I get that. Now, and you also are a poet. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit about that. Like, you're my first poet on the Dear Maddie show. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I'm honored. Well, I... feel I like s- I should snap. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Um, Yeah, I started out doing um, page poetry when I was in college, and then um, I transferred into a university, Sarah Lawrence, where I studied creative writing, Mm -hmm. and I started doing a poetry slam when I was there, um, which is my first slam at the New York Week in New York City, and, you know, it just sort of opened my eyes because I loved acting, but I loved performing my own words, and I I found a way to put together my writing and my acting Mm -hmm. that was really dynamic for me, so I started doing poetry slam. I did that for about 15 years. Um, that was actually my first role on television was Russell Simmons Deaf Poetry. So that's how oh, I got cool. my SAG card. And yeah. Um, and after doing that for a really long time, you know, touring colleges and universities, making a CD, I got to a point where uh, I really wanted to do something bigger. And so I started writing a memoir. I've been working on that for about five years. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's tough. Writing a memoir is tough because you, as you know, um, it requires a lot of introspection and that sort of, you know, you, you've got to understand yourself before you can really write about yourself. Yeah. So that's been a, a journey for me. And then I, I've also got another book that I'm working on that's sort of hybrid historical fiction and memoir. I love historical fiction. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about my this favorite. book. <laughs> well, if you know any good historical fiction after the show, let me know. Absolutely. Well, I'll listen to them. I listen to Book on Tape. Yeah, yeah, I love those too. Not on tape. I'm dating myself. (laughs) Just, 
just audiobooks. You, I think that's what they're called. Download. Yeah, I download. <laughs> I download them. Um, that's amazing. Well, and also, okay, and something that's fascinating. I don't know if other people are interested, but sorry, y'all. I want to talk about it. I love. I you travel so much and not only do you travel like hey i'm going to paris for a week it's like hey i'm going to paris for four months so you actually go and live there and i think uh so i want to talk about a couple things i want to talk about like where you've been like um and was traveling something you always did but i also want to know i'm actually and i feel like a lot of listeners i i feel like travels one of like maybe the top three top five things that people always want to do and never yet seem to find the time to do it mm. i know that you're also when you're traveling you're also working mm-hmm. i think a lot of people think that the, oh well i can't do that that can never so i would like to just i just just talked about like how you evolved in this because i think it's it could be beneficial for people listening that think oh this this is something i can never do because you did it yeah yeah i've done that three times i've gone to three different countries for three months Um, And it was actually something that started because of my writing, because I felt like if I could just get away from it all for a few months, I'd be able to make some progress on this book. Mm -hmm. And because I I don't know about you, but for me, there's a lot of distractions in LA. Yeah, I've been here long enough now that I have a lot of friends. They're always inviting me out because I'm an actor. You know, it's come see my show, my Mm -hmm. stand up comedy, blah, blah, blah. Um, And so it's just a lot of distraction. And to, to be able to really make progress on a book... Um, you need to put in some concentrated time. Mm-hmm. So m- the first time I went to Prague, um, and I was there for three months, and then my my thought was, okay, you know, I'm going to travel around to a couple of different cities as well because I was close enough in Europe that it was ra- relatively inexpensive to to check out some other places. Um, and then I'm going to come back, and you know, the following year I'll go to a different city. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did. My favorite city during during my little side trips that first year was Venice, Italy. Mm. So then the second year I went to Venice and, um, and that inspired my historical fiction book, which is going to be set in Venice. Awesome. Yeah. And then this last time I did Paris, which was also super fantastic because I met a cute French boy. What? <laughs> I did. You're dating someone? Uh-huh. Oh my. Okay. First of all, you guys, Dufflin just became like 12 years old and like it looks like a member of one direction just walked into my <laughs> she's like moving around and squiggling and like you can't even see her eyes because she's smiling so big <laughs> so that's adorable now, does he still live in france yeah he lives in paris oh look at you and so how often do you see i mean it, things like sky okay so sorry this is a dramatic show you brought it up sugar let's have some <laughs> let's talk about love Okay, fuck travel. Let's talk about love. Um, so, uh, like, how does I mean, sugar? That's the definition of a long distance. I mean, it could, right? he could be farther away unless he was in space. So, like, how do you? She's fanning herself. She's totally warm. Um, so, how do you do the long distance relationship thing? Well, it's relatively new. This was just this fall, mm-hmm. um, and then I, you know, so I spent three months there, and then I came home, and then I've been back once, and uh, he's going to be coming out to visit me soon. So, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of one day at a time. That's how you do it. I mean, Skype stuff helps. You can see people. That yes. helps a lot. And FaceTime is nice because it's free. So if you both have oh, an yeah. iPhone, you can use FaceTime for oh, free. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of figuring it out one day at a time. I mean, you know, I I feel like I want to know his name, but you can tell me after the show. I'll tell you later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things. I mean, when it's right, it's right. And 
you know, what are you going to do? I have no idea what will happen, I mean, but I'm happy. I mean, do you feel like Audrey Hepburn? Like, do you feel like, I mean, you fell in love <laughs> in fucking Paris. Like, <laughs> like I want to travel and go all these places. But I've said, Paris, I want to do with someone. And you found the someone there. Like, yeah. Was it like I, crazy you know, romantic how you met? Um, it was, I was asking for directions. Oh, from him? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that was how I met him. So, so. you asked him for directions and then he like asked you to coffee or, or a drink or something? <laughs> yeah, we just started talking and then, yeah, so. That is, you <laughs> are Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> oh, my, Grace Kelly. Like, that's the most, do you feel like when you go to Paris or do you feel like when you're in Europe, especially maybe Paris, do you feel like, I mean, you're always dressed cute, but do you feel like you have to either do you step up your fashion or do you try to like dress more European so you don't stand out as an American as much or no? You know, unfortunately, I stand out as an American the moment I smile (laughs) (laughs) because I have these ginormous teeth and I have a really big smile. And and so like instantly they're like, oh, you're American, right? Because Um, teeth are all terrible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and mine are like super ginormous and fabulous. You have beautiful white teeth. You're like a Crest commercial. I mean, I'm very lucky in that way. And um, and so, I mean, I feel like, you know, my French is getting better and better, but even the first time I went to Paris, which was like four years ago. And Par- Parisians, I've heard, are very picky about their French. Well, you know, I've learned a lot about that now. I understand why. Mm-hmm. Because um, French used to be the international language. Like, you know how, like the UN and things like that, like uh, they'll speak a lot of English. Mm-hmm. And it's like the international language of business and things mm-hmm. like that. Well, it used to be that French was the international language. Oh. And w- they sort of got displaced. And oh. so that's, I think that's a reason reason why it's a little bit touchy and then it's just kind of become a cultural tradition for them to be proud of speaking French. Mm. Um, But what I noticed was that most of them, a lot of them, the educated people anyway, you know, which for the most part they are because it's a very egalitarian society, Mm -hmm. they speak English at least a little bit. So I would speak French to them and they would speak English back to me. Ah. And I was offended at first. I was like, oh, my God, they think my French is so bad. They don't even want to hear it, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, my boyfriend told me, he was like, no, no, no. They just want to show you that they can speak English. Oh. So, so I don't, think there's so a So don't lot. take it personal, people. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of just sort of misunderstanding. But do you get to practice all your French with him? Like, do you say, does he speak English to you or mainly French or both? Um, franglais. Franglais. <laughs> we speak some Franglais together, yeah. <laughs> You're, well... <laughs> Good for you. I'm proud for you. Well, that's a happy, happy note. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have some questions about love today then that you can help answer. I'll try. The, since you're the love expert. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's dive into this. Oh, we do. Oh, I do see that we have. Um, I do see we have some questions. All right. Here we go. First question. Dear Maddie, this is from Deborah, age 37. Dear Maddie, my husband has started his own business. I'm very proud of him. He was in a dead-end job for years and finally decided to make a go of it. I'm just worried about his health. I feel like now he is finally passionate about what he's doing, but he's working himself into the ground. He usually only gets about four hours sleep a night, and the rest of the time he's trying to help me help our son cope with middle school and be a dad dad and run the business from our garage i've mentioned to him before to cut back but i feel he thinks i'm not being supportive or i don't believe in his passion so not true but i know he feels the pressure to provide for our family i'm a teacher so you know what how much we make not enough deborah not enough (laughs) anyway um so maddie what's the best way for me to talk to him without him feeling on guard that's a good question because i think this is 
this isn't an easy question. Yeah. I um I I just I think I don't like to make sexist generalizations, but I'm about to make one. <laughs> but it's true. Like I didn't realize until I got older and I had a lot of girlfriends that were dating guys and they maybe wanted to get married or they wanted to have family and that the guys didn't want to – a lot of them, moreover, did not want to make that commitment until they felt like they financially could afford getting married, afford having a child. And I realize I would probably be in that – I'm not even close to that. But if I was, I probably wouldn't be that way as well. So there is this, I think, still – I don't know. Maybe women have this too. Uh, uh, why don't we just speak for all sexes because <laughs> that's appropriate. But I, I, I don't know. There, I, I think Deborah makes a good point of when you're starting your own business, I've done that before. I mean you and I do that. We're actors. So that's your own business. So I get you're always – it's hard to shut off and let that go, and I've gotten better at it. But I don't know. Has that been easy for you to kind of – like was it – did it take you literally going across the pond before you could shut things off and actually kind of focus in? Or were you able to do that while you are here in L.A. in the midst of your career? You know, I feel like that is – that's a huge challenge for anybody who's an artist because a lot of times we're doing a job where we make our, you know, rent money. And then we're also on top of that doing our art Mm -hmm. and then finding the time to just unwind and relax, Mm -hmm. you know, like we all have to be able to. What's helped me a lot, both here and abroad is meditation. Yeah, me too. It's honestly, it's, it's changed my life completely. And and just putting aside half an hour in the morning and half an hour in the evening for myself, that's Mm -hmm. like, that's my time, no matter what I do Mm -hmm. that. Uh, I think has really helped me. You know, like she's talking about, she's afraid it's affecting his health. It probably is. I'm sure it is. I'm 100% sure it is. I don't know how well he would be open to meditation, but even like I'm doing that Oprah Deepak one right now about success. It's like 20 minutes a day. You sign up online. You can do it for free for a little bit. Um, There's also, I'm not trying to promote myself, but I am. Uh, My friend Tia Reese, Deborah, is a meditation teacher, and I had her on the show. So, And we had a good discussion about meditation because I think a lot of people think with meditation, oh, that's you sit down and you clear your mind, you clear your thoughts. A lot of people, that's even, that's stressful for them just to try to clear their thoughts because there's so many thoughts. It doesn't seem doable. So anyway, Tia and I had a great conversation, I think, just about ways that, People can do that that maybe feel overwhelmed by the idea of clearing your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, but but back to her question specifically, she wants to know, you know, what well, what do you think is the best way for her to talk to, to bring this up to him without him feeling defensive? Yeah, and it's interesting. I think when it comes to you know relationships like this between a man and a woman, I feel like it's the way that you bring it up with someone and and i suppose this is true for for everybody i don't know but but i know that for me um it's important for me to not come across as as an attack you mm-hmm. know so saying it um something like here's how i feel here's what i don't want what do you think you know, it's, and that gives, and especially sugar. are with you a, a therapist? No, are you a therapist? No, but I've some, been to lots of therapy. <laughs> you have some good shit that you just dropped down right there. And I didn't, ma- I didn't make that up. Obviously, uh, I, I learned that somewhere because I needed the information too. And yeah, but to be able to talk, especially to a man, because um, if they feel like you know better than them, then they might get defensive. You know, or if they feel like you're telling them what to do, no, nobody likes that. Nobody honestly. likes that. And there's, and though the point that many 
many men already feel, is it emasculated? Is that the word? They feel emasculated when they're not providing the money, the job thing. So if you're coming in then telling them, Deborah, telling him what to do, how to deal emotionally with the job and everything, that could make him feel even more emasculated. But I like that. Just to say that again, you your three-step thing again. Uh, I don't want. And then finish the sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, no, wait. It starts with, I feel blank. I don't want blank. What, what do, do you, you think? think? I think that's great. I think because that's, oh, because basically, Deborah, what you would be doing is expressing your feelings and then, oh, and then saying, I, I, you, you don't want him to feel that is, he's, he probably already, I'm not probably, I'm pretty much 100% sure he probably feels like he's not doing enough. So that's what saying, well, this isn't. You're not taking time for this. You're not doing this. You're, if you're pointing out all the things he's not doing, he's just going to feel even more overwhelmed by he's not doing enough. Now he's not doing enough for. He probably feels like he's not doing enough for you, your kid, his business. But now he feels like I'm not doing enough for me. So mm, I love. Right. And I love though that you're taking that concept. This is what my experience is. I'm feeling this. You know, honey. Like I love you, and. um this is, you know, I'm wondering, is this, is, you know, a lot of times I say that with people like, I'm imagining, is this how you feel? Is, I'm wondering if this is like when you're stressed out, is this what it's like for you? Because then you're not saying, because as a woman, y'all have intuition like nobody's business. So she probably knows how he feels and know what's going on. But you don't want, like you said, that's so smart what you said is that don't tell him how he feels. Yeah. And coming from the feminine place of how she feels, you know, because guys can hear that, you know, and, and when you're coming from that place, it's really vulnerable. And I feel like too, when, when you open up with somebody else and you're vulnerable with them, it gives them the space to be vulnerable with you. Yeah. Um, and it's really an invitation when she says, what do you think? She's inviting him into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's a conversation, not just, I'm telling you. Yeah. This isn't Dr. Phil. <laughs> That's my big problem. I love what he does, but I, I, I don't like to tell it like it is to people. I just feel like it shames them. So Right on. All right, Deborah. Um, ooh, that was good, Deflin. I love it. All right, Deborah. I hope that helped. Best of luck to you. All right. The next question is from Jason, age 32. Oh, we got a, we got a love question. So this one's on you, Deflin. All right. Dear Maddie, I'm thinking of buying my girlfriend an engagement ring, but she says she doesn't love diamonds. What kind of ring do I get her? She doesn't want to help pick it out because she wants to be surprised. I got to get this right, Maddie. <laughs> no pressure, Jason. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure at all. Oh, man. Sugar, I would say I, I feel like you need more information. Yeah, I what, mean. What does she like? That's what I want to – I mean, I wonder if – this is – I'm totally reading to this probably like my past with my own with my own shit of people that I've known. You know how you have people that like they – you'll have a friend or something that's like, well, what are you doing for your birthday? I don't know. Surprise me. But you know if you're going to surprise them with a birthday, you better bring it to a certain level or they're going to be pissed. So they actually don't mean surprise me. So I don't know if you're, Jason, I don't know if you're in the situation with your girlfriend, like when she says she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to help pick it out because she wants to be surprised. I hope it's not that. I hope it's, you're not feeling that pressure of you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because that's not what, Mm. (laughs) then (laughs) this engagement ring might be the least of your problems. Yeah. Yeah, but and I feel I, like, you know, he just, he needs more information. Like, what, what what's her I mean, favorite color? And there's more than one color of diamond. They're not all clear. Yeah, they're not like, are you a diamonds girl? 
you know, not I'm not even really that much of a jewelry person, mm-hmm. you know, but I feel like I can tell it, see you just have a band and that's it. Yeah. I mean, it, but it is very personal. That's really personal. That's something mm-hmm. you're going to wear every day for a long time, hopefully, hopefully. the rest of your life, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, yeah, you want to get it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I understand someone wanting to be surprised, but couldn't, could they maybe go shopping together and so he can at least get an idea of what yeah. she likes? Not to pick it out, but just to see, here's what I like, here's what I don't. Yeah, maybe she could like, does she have a Pinterest page? If she doesn't, maybe ask her to do a Pinterest. And just like, she could literally put a thousand different rings on there. Yeah. But then you at least would have an idea, Jason, of what her aesthetic is. And then you could, I mean, if she's not willing to do that, like you, then I'd say, okay, well, I'm going to Target and that's what you get. (laughs) You're welcome. Maybe Coles if we're getting fancy. But <laughs> sorry, I mean because I think what I would hate. Well, I think what this touched on a little bit before is that a lot of people do this in relationships is that they expect that if somebody loves them, that they also can read their mind. Yeah. And sugar, Jason, that's not. And so I hope she's not thinking you're not a mind reader, and not do you need to be that. And if she's being that way now, then y'all need to talk about this because when you have kids and she doesn't think you're disciplining them the right way or there's this or that she the same stuff's going to come up and maybe i don't know do you are are you open with her and express to her what you think about stuff you know it's um but yeah i mean you don't you don't want to make that purchase and her not like it yeah and it's just about it's about communication yeah my parents yeah yeah my parents did that once i remember my father surprised my mother with a station wagon and um back like in like 1985 and <laughs> We were like, that's so cool. And my mom took it back to the dealer and got the one she wanted. Yeah. And my parents are divorced. So there you go. There you go, okay, Jason. Work, point. You need to work this shit out. <laughs> you work it out. Talk about it. <laughs> Daddy didn't want power windows and mama did. Mm-hmm. So there we go. <laughs> there we go. Oh. All right. Uh, best of luck to you. All right. Next question. Um, and I forgot when I typed this out, who, let's see, I forgot to put who this is from. Um, I'll read the question and maybe they'll remember. If not, there'll be someone asexual or without any gender. Anonymous. Yeah. Anonymous. Dear Maddie, how do you know the signs that your child is being bullied? My son has always been a little nerdy. Oh, this is from a guy. His name was like Michael or Joseph in his forties. I don't remember. Oh, anyway. Okay. How do you know the signs that your child is being bullied? My son has always been a little nerdy and I love it, but I feel now that he has hit seventh grade. He's withdrawing a bit and being more quiet. He hasn't told me he was bullied, but I just have a feeling he's still sweet as it can be, but I feel he's lost his day to day spunk. Should I confront the bully for him or will that make it worse? Wow. Should I confront the bully for him? I, I think not. Um, however, you know, this is a big conversation in America right now and, and I'm sure he can find some resources that will help him with that. You know, I'm not a parent, Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like you counsel, you counsel actors. So that's almost like a, (laughs) right. It really is. I know you could, we could have a show about the crazy you've seen. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a whole can of worms. Um, but I feel like, you know, seventh grade, man, I, I, while I'm not a parent, I was at one time a seventh grader. Me too. And that was a terrible grade. Wasn't it? Right? That, that was, was rough. That was the worst grade for me. Seventh, eighth grade, I hated. 
Yeah, so unless he knows for a fact there's a bully. Um, yeah, because that, actually that's true. We don't know. If, he just feels like he's being bullied. He suspects, yeah. And so it might just be that like he has a crush on a girl who doesn't like him back or something. You know, yeah. like didn't we all have that happen in seventh and eighth grade? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, you do. It could be a multitude of things. I think I never was bullied, but I remember seventh and eighth grades when I first like I felt the inward pressure of I needed to have a girlfriend because I wanted people. I didn't know I was gay, but I knew I was different. And so I just felt this overwhelming pressure. Like all I thought about all the time was I need to have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I need to have a girlfriend. I didn't want. So and the trash truck is here, everybody. Welcome to Los Angeles. This is real life. You're going to probably hear that. So there you go. Good times. Anyway, good times. Here we are. We're <laughs> back. Back to the bully kid. Um, so I, I, you, I think you're telling you're good at this. I think you're right. I think it's just that's a time sometimes where we do withdraw. I, I, I would definitely, there's so many resources. I should have looked them up before the show to say, but you know, um, depending on, I don't know what your life is like, but I mean, bully is such a hot topic right now. Even your local church or probably, I would say the best resource might be your school counselor. Um, cause everybody has a school guidance counselor or something like that. And hopefully they're worth a grain of salt and, um, you could talk to them and they could give references like, Teen Lines, I know, I know I worked for Trevor uh, Project for years, or I volunteered for them, which is, it's a suicide helpline for LGBT youth, but even if they call Trevor Helpline, I know there's also a teen line. I think just, if you Google, just bullying resources. But again, I don't, I, I, like you said, it just simply might be, I think sometimes, I know I do this with my nephews, I'll think, oh gosh, they're in this terrible situation, they're so stressed out about it, and then... I is their uncle and my brother, and I've talked. He does this too. As a parent, we agonize over it and think it's so terrible, and then it's not. Mm-hmm. That said, I don't want to say this to you, and you ignore your child, and then your child, God forbid, become suicidal or something like that, or really, and you think, well, Maddie told me not to worry about it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying have a, you know, if he's with, I do feel like if your child is withdrawing for you, from you it's the parent's responsibility to engage with their child either in the same way or in a different way that they and meet them meet them where they're at and meet their needs of how they want to be engaged with so maybe before you hung out and did stuff and every weekend because that's what you did because they were younger and they liked hanging out with dad and now they're teenagers you don't like to do this maybe it's like you sit down and play a video game with them or maybe even like you start texting with them more. Like if that's what the conversation is or like even stuff like, I know it sounds silly, but like my um, sister-in-law who has, she has a teenage son, 16 and 13, like with their 16 year old son, they play words with friends. Like they, mm, they play, so you know what I mean? So it's like they're, so even though like they're with, I've learned with working with youth, it's, you really have to build up kind of the safety and the trust and the camaraderie before you can really kind of get to the nitty gritty and really talk about what's going on. So, you know, for you person without a name, I want to say it was Joseph. Um, but for you, Joseph, uh, maybe it's about just letting him know that you're there, like taking like a good two or three weeks of just touching base with him, not necessarily talking about anything serious, but just, you know, Letting him know you're a presence in his life because maybe you've been busy with other stuff too. That could be it. Maybe he's withdrawing because you felt he feels like you withdrawed from him. 
I don't know. Mm. I, we need more information in this. Yeah, it's yeah. Hot. It's a lot I of do, speculation. I feel like I'm sensing a theme today, though, that it's honestly all three of these questions ultimately are about communication. And one yeah. thing that occurs to me, especially with this last one, is that, you know, they say some large percentage, like 90% of human human communi- communication is nonverbal. Mm. There, I could barely get that out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it with You're, my hands, you are, though, you were, if you could were, only see me thinking it. They were moving. Um, and so, you know, those things that you're talking about of, like, go play ball with him, text with him, you know, do activities with him. If he's nerdy, didn't he say he's a nerdy? Yeah. yeah. See, like... The video games. Listen or to the, the Nerdist podcast with him or yeah. figure out. Go to comic, like a comic thing, a comic store. Yeah. And just, just being present and being available so that when he is ready to talk to you about whatever's going on, he knows it's a safe place. Like, I feel like that's, that's really good advice. So, well, well, thank you. Thank you. You're I, good, Maddie. Well, I do have a degree. Uh, <laughs> I do have a degree. And yeah. Well, so, all right. Well, anonymous person, I forgot to put your name. Best of luck. Let us know. And, uh, well, that's it for our question. So, Ah, we're done with the stressful stuff. Woo! Let's have a drink, everybody. Um, yeah, drink some of your tea, sugar. Um, your sweet tea. And um, so now we're on to the section I like to call Celebrity Shit the Bed. So, you know, this is this is your time, sugar. What What's on your mind? I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, um, it's funny because I feel like the, the one thing – I don't watch – the news anymore because it's too depressing. It's bad. It's too depressing. I can't take it. And then they show you videos of things. Like there was a, a video on in Los Angeles the other night on the evening news of a, a young girl being beaten by a, a gang of boys with a skateboard. Okay. They need to like preface this more. S- yeah. They I, actually just don't need to show it. No. And they, they were like, uh, you know, we warn you some, this might be too, you know, graphic for some viewers. And I was like, some viewers. Yeah. Because you know, a, like a 13 year old or a 10 year old kid who's up at night is not going to know to walk out of the room. Right, or is going to want to watch it, even though you know that 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 is damaging. I mean, it's damaging to me. Yeah. And so you know, I ran over and turned it off really quickly. But but that's exactly why I don't really watch the news anymore. Um, and and also I feel like when I see these things, you know, uh, magazine covers when I'm in the grocery store checking out, you know, and it's all about somebody's divorce or somebody's plastic surgery or you know who's cheating on who and all that kind of stuff. It's just um, it's gossip and it's mm. toxic yeah. and I want nothing to do with any of it. Yeah, you know? exactly. I love seeing positive news. Um, and so, you know, I try to look for things like that, but I also am just more interested in being present for my own life. Timothy Ferris. I'm a big fan of him and he's a, Timothy Ferris is, um, he's a life. I just want to say life coach. He's not, he wrote a first book called the four hour work week. That's a wonderful book about how to get outside of your nine to five day job and create work in your life that's automated where you can, you should definitely read that book. It's so, it's great for actors. And it was good shift for me because it made me realize that the only reason we work 40 hours a week is because some white British guy like 300 years ago said we should work during this time. And that's not really what, I don't think that's really what, um, most people want so anyway but he's written other books as well but his whole thing is about getting things done really efficiently Mm. so that way 
Um, especially getting the things that you don't like. He even does like the four minute workout. It's like a really quick, very quick, intense workout. He's like, get that crap out of the way. So that way you can enjoy your life. But one of the things he talks about, he said, don't spend time reading the news. It's not worth it. And this is a guy who has an MBA. He said, once a week, if I'm passing a newsstand, I'll pick up a paper and just read the headlines. And that's all I need to know for basic conversation. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, okay. And so, um, um, yeah, he talks about that a lot. So, um, because I think it's, you're right. You can stay. uh, Yes. I think it's nice to be informed in some ways, but be informed about your life. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, I'm sorry. Like I just, it's depressing for me to know what's going on in Syria. It just is like, and it's, it's just so, and that makes me might be sound like I'm close minded, but I don't care. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't help my life to know that. Yeah, and it's just overwhelming. It's overwhelming, yeah. It's I think overwhelming. when you're a feeler, and you both of us are, you feel it. Like, you really, it's it's just, yeah, it's a lot. So, but so, so you might have a celebrity shit the bed, but what is on your mind that you wanted to talk about this week? Or is that what you wanted to talk about? Because that's um, a great topic, even I, in itself. Uh, yeah, no, that's just kind of what came I love out of that. my mouth. No, I love that, actually. I think that's such a, <laughs> such a great, so what kind of, so, um, what like there's one thing like one of the favorite things I did that I still recommend to people is like I was a host for Smile TV and that's the whole point of Smile TV is that they're a positive news organization. So every story, everything coming from them is about sharing somebody's success, someone's triumphs. It's not even just like oh Facebook cute baby dancing, but no, it's literally like this person started mm-hmm. volunteering with this organization and look what they've done. It's um like one of my people's. Like I watch award shows because, and I talk about them because we're in Los Angeles and it's hard not to because people. And that's fun. And that's fun. And yeah, it's like fun and silly. It's like putting on makeup, you know, like when I get to do makeup for people or whatever. It's very frivolous. But I love, nobody ever talks about, I love the CNN Heroes Awards. I've gone like several years in a row. And I, have you never, that's the best award show ever. They usually film it around Thanksgiving time. Or at least in first of November because they aired around Thanksgiving. But you're just listening to people that were inspired by a passion or a person or a belief. And they do – like this one guy, It did, you didn't think – but like he had a pa- – he loved building things. And so he, he started um, – it was in Africa. I don't remember where. He would just build bridges, like these kind of small suspended bridges just so people could walk across a bridge. I'm like, well, that's not a big deal. Because he built this one bridge, and he teaches the town how to build the bridge as well and how to maintain the bridge. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's a bridge. And then you start hearing their stories. Their school enrollment increased from, like, not kidding, like 20 students to 900 students because they could cross the bridge and not get eaten by fucking hippos because they're in Africa. Right. And I went, and I'm just, like, starting to cry. You know, it's just, like, it's such little things that you don't think that, or affected like this one guy he made he was a, nominated as a hero because he um um he made like a, a this home kit people could buy for like it was like a a US American dollar dollar 50 and they can pour the water into it and it and it's a filter 
that filters out so they can have drinking water. Right. Just, Brilliant. See, what I love about that kind of news is that inspires me. Yes. Right? And now, you know, so now I feel inspired and so I can take whatever gifts I have out into the world and help people with it. And that's what I want to do. Yeah. And people talk about, you know, well, you have to know the, the news so that you can know what's going on because, you know, well, would, wouldn't you, don't you need to protest this or that, you know, a, a war or something that's happening. But I, you know, I'm going to say you don't. No, (laughs) no, I, I, and there are so many of the things, you know, that yes, there's lots of things going on in the world that I'm opposed to, but I can't fight all of them. And it doesn't make me feel inspired to hear about these horrible things. But when I hear about someone else doing something about a problem Mm -hmm. in a creative way like that, then I'm inspired and then I can go out and give what I have to give. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, if I get if I go to the CNN hero awards, I'll take you with me and we'll just sob and eat chocolate. Uh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's really great. It's really great. You have a cocktail. You're like, yeah. Um, well, awesome. Well, I love that. That was a t- that was a very meta. I love that topic. <laughs> you took us there. Well, okay. Well, we're we're banning through it today. So now we're at chatting Maddie questions. So <gasps> oh yeah. Same five questions I ask everybody every week. So um, chatting Maddie question number one um, with the trash can in the background. Here it is. Woo-hoo. All right. Um, chatting Maddie question number one what's your most memorable or favorite childhood smell hopefully not the trash childhood smell <laughs> favorite childhood smell um, take your time it's okay wow we're letting, the tra- we're letting the trash can pass anyway oh white shoulders perfume oh my gosh white shoulders you just took me back <laughs> oh my goodness okay who wore white shoulders? My mama. Oh, <laughs> it just always reminded me of my mama. And you know, I grew, my father raised me in California, and I only saw her a couple times a year. And so it was just sort of one of those things when I'd smell that. You know, it just all it smelled like mama to me. Mm-hmm. Now that's I'm, so I'm, again, I hope it's not too personal, but I'm interested. Like you don't hear that a lot about a father, especially raising a daughter. Yeah. So like, I'm sure there was probably some there's. There's probably was some traumatic things for you as a girl, but I'm interested whether, do you feel like, do you think there was something, that, an opportunity or a perspective you were given by being raised by your father that you didn't have from not being with your mom all the time? Yeah, I think so. Um, in a couple of different ways, you know, this was, I grew up in the 70s mm-hmm. um, and there were not a lot of single parent fathers at all, much at all. less single parent fathers raising daughters without you know and he never remarried so it was really just the two of us and so I got to see a lot of you know I mean I spent a lot of time with my dad and so you know that was how I saw men growing Mm. up and my dad is a real sensitive sweet guy you know Mm -hmm. um and so I feel like you know he would always say to me things like you you know you can do anything that a guy can do um and he backed that up we had when I was nine years old, uh, they were bringing back the, the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, mm-hmm. and we had two women in our living room campaigning for the ERA and making these phone calls every day. Oh, wow. And I was like, you know, Dad, what's this all about? And, um, and so they explained to me what it was about, you know, and if the ERA passed, what would happen? And, you know, we would have to go to war, but we'd be able to um, have equal, equal um, pay for equal work and things like that. And um, Isn't it crazy? We're... St- 
still talk about that now. I know. I know. Still, sadly. <laughs> still. Yeah. Um, because it didn't pass. It didn't you pass, know? yeah. But I remember being nine years old, you know, and they were like, well, so would you vote for it? <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, I got to think about that, you know, and I went to school that day and I came back and I was like, yes, I would. Hmm. Yes, I would. And I don't think that anyone should have to go to war. But if the boys do, then, you know, we should too. Um, so that's kind of, you know, that definitely was a defining moment for me as a kid. And, and I grew up feeling... That's awesome. Yeah. Like as a result, I grew up feeling very much, um, you know, a sense of equality, I think. And because it was my father who was supporting that, not my mother, you know. So I, I felt um, comfortable with that and I never felt out of place you know, calling myself a feminist, you know, I was never uncomfortable with that word until other people started talking about it. And then I was like, Oh, am I supposed to be uncomfortable about that? Mm. You know, um, you should read, um, my, one of my, my good friends and one of my uh, favorite guests too, Don McCoy, who I think was maybe on episode five of the Dear Maddie show. Again, that's a great show uh, to listen to. Um, she's reading Diane von Furstenberg's, uh, memoir right now. Oh, wow. And she's, obsessed with it and one of the things she talks about is Diane from Furstenberg talks about she didn't realize what a blessing it was to have she was very close to her father and she felt very loved by her father and she said it affected her ability it affected so greatly her relationships with men growing up and she realized that she never felt like she needed to um she never felt like she needed to try to jump through hoops for a boyfriend's love because she said she felt so loved and supported by her father Mm. that that was such a grounding foundation for her that that was something she didn't need. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think you get, you get a different perspective. Um, and especially, you know, if you're, if you're being raised by your dad, because, you know, he's the one who would brush my hair and fix my hair in the morning. He wasn't all that great at it, but he tried, you know, Uh and just, you know, so, so like when I go back to that woman's question about, you know, how to talk to her husband, um, because he's overworking himself and, and understanding how men are and that they, you know, yeah, that sense of wanting to provide and wanting to nurture. I remember a long time ago this, um, she, she was a therapist actually saying, you know, nurturing is a masculine quality. And I was so surprised by that. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, no, you know what? It is. And when I thought back to, you know, like, cause that's how my dad was. He was very nurturing mm-hmm. and, and caretaking and that kind of thing. And, and I think in some senses, Men haven't always been encouraged to be that way, but mm-hmm. it actually is a really strong facet of masculinity. I, I 100%, 1,000% agree. I Because I feel like, like I, I'm almost, I'm pretty sure um, that I do want children. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, the older I get, the more actually I want children. But the reason is, is because people say to me all the time, they're like, oh, you have such a great maternal instinct. And I correct them and I actually say, no, I have a paternal instinct. And I think that's just an... Because my brother is very, and I hope that changes. I feel like that's changing with, I see the way my brother is. Um, I was lucky I, that my dad didn't have a father. His father kind of kicked out on them when they were he was five years old. So he chose, I feel like sometimes people, they're, the cards that they're dealt with life and from their parents, so they either kind of play the same cards or they choose a totally different deck. And that was my father. He was like, so I didn't have a dad, so I want my kids to know that mm. they are loved and I'm here and I'm going to tell them I'm going to beat their ass, if they, but I still love them, you know? <laughs> and so 
my brother and, I, and so anyway, it's, I don't know. I hope men are shifting that more because my brother, um, he like he cries in front of his kids all the time because he's a he's a big old ball bag. Like he'll watch a commercial and just sob. And my sister in law is like, dude, <laughs> like man up. <laughs> you know. Anyway, sorry. Um, but yeah, I I love that you said that. Thank you for saying that because that makes me feel good because it makes me feel validated. Because sometimes people look at me like. Really? That's a paternal instinct? I'm like, yes, it is. It is. Sorry, we got off on a detour, but that was a good, that's just interesting about good your times. life. <laughs> um, all right. Chatting Maddie, question number two. What's the alcoholic drink you can't drink anymore because you got drunker than Cooter Brown on it? Oh, all of them. <laughs> Either you had a rough life. Um, all of r- them, darling. A rough college? Or? I, um, I quit drinking when I was 23 years old. Oh, wow. Actually. It just doesn't work well with your constitution. Um, no, it's it's a definitely a tradition in my family to to uh to enjoy that <laughs> to enjoy an alcoholic beverage or 15 mm. and um yeah and i just by the time i was in my i think it was my junior year of college it was really clear to me that uh, you know it just it didn't work well for me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know when i drank bad things happened so yeah new year's eve 1993 my last drink was a glass of champagne i set it down at midnight and i haven't had a drink since that's awesome. That's awesome. Look at you. You're so disciplined oh, and healthy. <laughs> I try. I like it when I say things. They're like, you're so disciplined. And you go, oh, you get <laughs> All right. Um, chatting about question number three. When are you most inspired? Wow. I think I'm most inspired when I'm most present. Mm. Um, because there's always something there to inspire you. Actually, the root of that word, I think the Latin root of that word is it. It's about um, inspire. It just it means like to have um, the breath in you, and then it also means the spirit in you. Oh. Like it means to be filled with the spirit of the divine, is oh. what that means. And so, if I'm open and available, and my vessel is empty, and I'm present to receive inspiration, it's there. It's always there. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's coming at me from all directions, and and. You know, it's just about me being available to receive it. Mm-hmm. So when I'm most present and that, you know, I feel inspired oftentimes in my meditation. Yeah. So like I always meditate before I write. Um, if I have a big performance, I meditate first um, just because then I'm just I'm really centered. I'm really available and and I can get out of my own way. That's the biggest thing is getting out of our own way. But Yeah. I 100% agree. Great, great For answer. real. <laughs> um, well, I don't know if you have an answer to this, so, because you're not into celebrities, but, so this is a two-part question, and you can answer depending on your level of comfort, comfortableness, I can't say the word. Chatting about a question number four, weirdest place you had sex, or celebrity crush? You can choose whichever one you want to go down. Um, or a celebrity crush. Or maybe somebody, I mean, you've worked with a lot of people. So was there ever an actor you were like, okay. Um, no, I never got to work with anybody that I was like super crushing on. Um, I, I think, um, oh, I answer one or the other. One or the other. Cause some people don't want to talk about their sex No, I life. want to talk about both of them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, let me, yeah, let me you- in that door. My Okay, so weirdest place I've ever had sex. What came to my mind was um, the bathroom of a restaurant in Venice. Um, uh, I forget the name of the restaurant. 
the food was very good. <laughs> so was my waiter. <laughs> um, oh, and my. your life is like a Diane Lane sequel. Oh, uh, thank to like you. under the Tuscan sun. Like literally, <laughs> I think like. <laughs> You know, not like that's something I do all the time, but you know, like 50% of my listeners, which are probably housewives just went motherfucker. (laughs) God dang it. Ah, His name probably was like Lorenzo or something like that. Or Paolo. Uh, (laughs) I I should not say his name. And now I'm blushing. You are blushing. I totally am. Because I thought you were going to say in a bathroom. I'm like, been there. And then you went in Venice. And I want to be like. California, but no, you mean Italy, girl. That is the bathroom. If you want to have sex with anybody in a bathroom, you want it to be in Venice, Italy. You know. Hashtag worth it. Totally. (laughs) Hashtag worth it. I love it. And I would say my celebrity crush is Javier Bardem. Oh, girl, you you love... You, you just I, love the men across the pond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I love his face. He's got a face. You know what I mean? I'll show you a picture of my boyfriend later. He's got a face. And I love that. I love someone who's just got a face that looks like, ooh, there's a story there. Mm, that, you know what yes, I mean? he, yes, 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 yes. And, and he's handsome. But you've seen him in movies, too, like No Country for Old Men, where um, he doesn't really look all that handsome, but he still looks really interesting. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and like he's got depth. I think that's Meryl Streep's face, actually. Like sometimes she looks beautiful, and sometimes she doesn't look beautiful. But you're just still kind of like your face. Yeah, it's yeah, fascinating. Great. It is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I hope she never gets work. All right, last question. Great answer, Chatty Maddie. Question number five: What makes your heart happy? Um, <laughs> it's okay to say it. Girl, I know you're going to say it. Well, um, you're in love. Uh, I know. I don't want to say his name because I'm like, I don't, he's very private, but yeah. my boyfriend. Yeah, the Frenchman. My, yeah, my Frenchie. <laughs> my Frenchie makes my heart happy. Um, and that pumpkin gluten-free muffin that I had before I came over here, that made my heart uh, happy too. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty, you know, that's the good extremes right there. Love and sugar. Love and a muffin. Yeah, yeah love and a muffin. Yeah. Well, that's well, on that, then that's it. That's the show. Yay. Yay. Bravo. Bravo. So now <laughs> tell everybody, um, tell everybody where they can find you. Cause I know, uh, you have a blog actually. I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish writing that article and I'm going to write it. That's hopefully going to go up there, but it's a great blog for, because you do have all this insight of actors. Like I love, I love, please never stop sending it. You, cause I always remind myself you always send like in january or december this is how pilot season works this is what it means this is and it's so helpful to me so even if you're not part of act now can people still subscribe to your blog and read oh yeah oh Great. absolutely absolutely it's the dot com. Uh, and yeah, anybody subscribes, it's free. Uh, and it's basically, you know, updates. I do an annual post every year about pilot season and about episodic season. And then there's other posts like, uh, the best headshots in LA, the best acting class in LA. Actually, because I've been traveling so much, I did a post also for actors who live outside of California and even outside of the United States who want to come to Los Angeles and what they need to do to prepare, Mm. um, you know, moving to LA, what you need to do before you go. Mm. Um, all different kinds of posts. I started off writing this for my clients and it's just sort of exploded now. And, um, you know, so, so yeah, I'm doing that regularly. I write for thefix.com as well. Um, and I have a new interview coming out on there with a friend who just wrote a book. And, um, you know, you can 
Also, find me on your television from time to time. Next time I book something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, you, you're, you've been booking. Have you? Did you uh, what's the last thing that you've done that people would? What's the last? Thing? I've been traveling so much. I haven't been around to audition. That's true. A whole you lot. just got back into town. Yeah, I think the last thing I did was a, a commercial. Oh, nice. Yeah, so which isn't running anymore, but I just got a new commercial agent, so hopefully there'll be a new one soon. Oh, no. we'll talk about that after the show. I want to know who you're with. Okay. Um, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, Thanks for having me. This was a great show. I feel inspired because what inspires me is talking to people and hearing their story and being motivated to take action in my life. And that's how I feel right now. So right on, me yeah. too. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. All right, everybody. So you know the drill. You can find me all on social media, the Matt Mar, uh, and you can go to the website, dearmattyshow.com. And sure, that's it. Like again, send in those questions. I need them. I need to know about your life. And um, yeah, that's it. So go and be of service for somebody this week. Do something for someone this week and work it out, sugars. Okay. Bye. Bye.